Grab your mason jars, strap on that apron. It's time for Canning with the Diva. Making her mark across the globe. Teaching you how to safely preserve delicious recipes. Please welcome your host, Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva. Welcome, it's Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is a pleasure being here again on this wonderful day. What I want to do today is talk to you about how to preserve mint. And mint, if, if you've grown it yourself, you realize that it is invasive, to say the least. Uh, you can't really get rid of it once you plant it. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It makes an excellent ground coverage, uh, especially you know, if you wanted to incorporate it into your landscaping, it smells just absolutely beautiful. And believe it or not, is a natural pest control against insects that could do some damage to our vegetables in the garden. So there's a lot of benefits to having mint on hand, whether it grows wild or you've purposely placed it in your yard or garden. So definitely want to talk to you today about ways in which to utilize and preserve mint, because again, once it gets growing, Getting it to stop is virtually impossible, so hey, you might as well put it to good use, right? <laughs> so anyway, let's get started today. Um, what I wanted to do is break things down um, from several different uh, preserving perspectives. So I want to talk about, for instance, canning mint jelly and describing some of the ways in which you can utilize that uh, in your home and your meals. Uh, I wanted to talk to you how about how to dehydrate it, because dehydration is also a preservation method, of course. And then thirdly, talk about freezing it, because there's some fun things that you can create using mint and freeze. And there's also a way to create kind of the meal starters. Um, and, and I'll get into that in the, in the last part of the segment, uh, utilizing fresh herbs. Now, mint will be the focus in today's segment, but I'm going to also incorporate some really fun uh, additional fresh herbs so that you can see how um, incorporating an herb garden into your everyday life, whether it's in a container on the back of your porch or they're actually grown right in your garden, how, how having fresh herbs on hand is just not, it, it's, a, it's a blessing. And there's so many uses, uh, whether it be for diet or medicinary. So anyway, let's start with canning mint jelly. Now, I have often been asked, um, you know, mint jelly sounds so delicious, but how in the world would I use it? So I want to go a little backwards right now and tell you ways in which to use it before we dive into the recipe. Because in hearing the many uses, um, I think it'll be more exciting when you actually go to put it to use and, and decide to make the mint jelly. So for me, um, mint jelly is an awesome way for me to sweeten my green teas, or any tea for that matter, whether it's black tea or green tea, um, even if it's just a standard, you know, no name brand, you know, black tea leave and you just enjoy having a cup of tea from time to time. Um, I know there's a lot of um, tea companies out there like Tavana, and uh, they have all kinds of fun, delicious blends and things you can do. But what I like to do is sweeten my tea without having to use sugar um, if I don't 
feel like mint jelly that day, which isn't very often because I do love that flavor of mint, um, I may use honey. But having a little jar of mint jelly in your refrigerator goes a long way. And actually, it also works well for entertaining. So if you do have guests over and coffee and tea is served after dinner, uh, bringing out a cute little jar of mint jelly with a small uh, actual teaspoon for, for these types of, of affairs, uh, setting that out is, is just a really neat way to not only talk about the things in which you love, which would be preserving and canning and such, but also for them to experience the flavors and, and how delicious it truly is. Um, another thing I love using it for is obviously in meal uh, creations and also a, a, as a side or a, a condiment to serving a dinner or a meal. Um, last winter, I made a delicious pork roast. And what I did is I took three tablespoons of the mint jelly and I slathered it all over the exterior of the roast prior to baking it. And it did a phenomenal job um, giving that roast a little bit of that mint flavor, um, sweetened it, but not too much, because again, you know, you want to enjoy that roast. You could even take the mint jelly and add some pepper to it if you want to do fresh uh, cracked black pepper. Um, skip the salt, just add the pepper so you get the sweetened heat. Um, you could even use minced garlic in with that mint jelly if you're going to use it as a rub. Does a phenomenal job and then of course set out a teaspoon and a small jar of the mint jelly at the dinner table when you're serving that pork roast. Um, and uh, you can have a little bit of that on your plate with every bite you take a bit of that mint jelly. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, what I tell individuals though, if you are not a pork eater, you can still do these same things with turkey and chicken. Um, beef, it's okay, but you would wanna add some heat to it because you do need that nice combo of heat and sweet. Uh, beef tends to not necessarily work well on the overly sweet side as far as our palates are concerned. But then, hey, if you like it, you know, whatever floats your boat, by all means, the more uses you find for the mint jelly and ways to utilize it in your meal creation, the better. Um, I also find that the kids love mint jelly on English muffins, or if we're going to do um, a small baguette or a croissant, uh, heating up the bread slightly or having it come fresh out of the oven and then using a, a butter knife and giving it just a touch of that mint jelly gives them a sweet but yet a flavorful way to ingest some of that delicious mint. And um, it's a really good topping. Now, I'll be honest with you, I haven't put it on a PB&J, so uh, I can't say that I've gone that to that extent. <laughs> I've got lots of other preserves on hand for those uh, types of sandwiches and uses, but mint jelly has a lot of fun ways um, to incorporate that yummy mint flavor into your meals. So let's get into the recipe. It's pretty simple. Uh, there are a few steps. But again, it, it's worth it. Your yield is going to be about four eight ounce jelly jars, so four half pints. So you will put some time into this recipe for a small yield, but a, a, a half a pint goes a long way. Start with one and a half cups of firmly packed mint leaves. And when I say mint leaves, make sure you pinch them off using your thumb and forefinger from the stem. We only want the leaves. Use two and a quarter cups of water, 
two tablespoons of lemon juice, three and a half cups of raw sugar, one pouch of liquid pectin, and then make sure you have about four eight ounce jelly jars on hand. Now some individuals love to have their mint jelly actually look green. When you want it to have a green hue, uh, people have added food coloring. Now, um, that is your personal preference. There are some food grade food colorings out there, some dyes that you can uh, utilize and, uh, and eat. They're edible, um, but you don't need it. It is completely optional. If you did want it to be green in color, go ahead and grab some food grade green food coloring and you'll use anywhere from four to seven drops. If you choose not to use the green food coloring, that's not a problem. Your mint jelly will just be a little bit more on the clear side. It will have a slight greenish yellow hue to it, and it's still quite gorgeous. So whatever works for you uh, will work in this recipe. Now clean and rinse your mint using cold water in a colander, being sure to remove any leaves that look ill in appearance. So anything that maybe a bug has uh, spent some time eating or something that may have started to um, get brown and hard and dried out, remove anything that looks suspect uh, because you want to choose only the, the purest of leaves for your jelly. Once it's clean, go ahead and shake off any excess water. We don't want it to be too watery. Um, you can even pat it dry with a paper towel if you'd like. And once that's done, bring it over to the chopping board and finely chop it. In a large saucepan, combine mint and water. Now, uh, obviously, most of my recipes are going to call for stainless steel. Um, it seems to be the best when working with jams and jellies, so I would definitely say um, skip anything that's Teflon um, and don't use your um, cast iron for this particular recipe. Find a large stainless steel stock pot or saucepan and combine the mint and the water. You want to bring it to a boil, and once it's at a boil, remove it from the heat, cover it, and now you're going to let the tea leaves or the mint leaves steep for 10 minutes covered. What we're trying to do during this process is allow the flavoring from the leaves and some of that coloring and the nutrients to steep and seep into the water because it's from this water that we're gonna create the mint jelly. Now, while that's steeping, I would suggest you head over to another portion of the kitchen where you've got uh, maybe a, your canning funnel, uh, a large glass dish, sometimes I'll just go ahead and I will use a large um, liquid uh, glass measuring cup. Uh, usually a four cup size should work for this recipe without any problems. And then make sure you have some cheesecloth handy. And I should probably, uh, for my own sake, put that up in the ingredients section so that everyone can have some cheesecloth on the ready. If you don't have any cheesecloth, if you have a clean t-shirt, um, that you're no longer using because the mint will stain it. A clean white t-shirt, you can um, either cut a large portion of that t-shirt or drape a large section of it over the glass dish and it will work uh, just, as, just as well as the cheesecloth. You'll just have to pour a bit more slowly. Okay, so now that you have all of this set up, what I suggest doing is taking the t-shirt or the cheesecloth and draping it over your large glass dish, or in my case, my measuring cup, and I use either twine or a large rubber band to hold it in place. 
What we're trying to do is utilize that cheesecloth as a sieve to remove all of the liquid from the mint leaves. So whatever you're using, uh, whether it's a dish or a measuring cup, just make sure it's adequate in size to catch all of the liquid. Once everything's in place, gently and slowly pour the mint water over the cheesecloth. Let your funnel or the sieve you've created sit over that glass dish until enough liquid has dripped, giving you almost a full one and three quarter cups. So this may take some time, and while it's doing its thing, and I would, I would even take a moment after it seems like it's just about done and dripped out, I would spread those mint leaves out a little bit more over that cheesecloth so that you can agitate it some to release any extra liquid that may be trapped amongst those leaves. What I love is if you allow it the time it requires, those last drippings that are going to come through is where your color starts coming from. So, um, and a lot more of your flavoring because it's that last bit of liquid hanging on to those leaves as it, and as it passes through the cheesecloth, that, that's going to really give you what you want uh, in, in that liquid. Now, using a small stainless steel stock pot, a clean one, don't reuse the other, uh, dump the mint-flavored liquid water, okay, that you just had through that sieve, dump all of that into the stock pot and add the lemon juice and the sugar. You want to bring this to a full rolling boil. Once it's at a rolling boil, you want to enter the entire package of the liquid pectin. You want to squeeze, squeeze out every last, every last drop you can into that boiling uh, liquid. Uh, squeeze it all out, mix it in good, boil it hard for just one more minute, and then shut it off. Now, when I say boil it for one minute, I mean set your timer. Um, you don't want to guess because you don't want to overboil the pectin. Pectin will lose its gelling capabilities if it's heated up for too long. And we know we have to process this yet, so we don't want to overboil it during this phase because then it won't gel when, it, when we, when we um, take it out of the water bath down the, down the road here. Okay, so now once it's been removed from the heat, this is the time in which if you'd like to add your food coloring, you may wish to do so. If you really feel you need to have this mint green color to your jelly, go ahead and add anywhere from four to seven drops. Stir that in. And if there's any foam that has created, um, uh, come to the surface, go ahead and, and, and remove that using a, a spoon. Hot pack your, your, now your mint jelly, how exciting, into hot jars, leaving a quarter inch of headspace. Now, headspace with jams and jellies is important. We don't want a lot, of, we do not want a lot of oxygen in that jar. So bringing that up to a quarter inch of headspace is extremely important. So make sure you have a headspace measuring tool handy. Um, if you don't have one handy, you can purchase one from my website at canningdiva.com or if you are in a pinch, grab a standard uh, ruler, just a, a ruler that you don't mind getting near your food. Make sure it's clean and do your best to measure your headspace that way until you can procure a uh, headspace measuring tool. Now, be sure to use a warm washcloth dipped in vinegar to wipe each rim and screw band. That vinegar on the washcloth is going to cut through the sugary uh, residue and that, that stickiness that could prevent a seal. So make sure you're dipping your washcloth in vinegar. 
and apply your sterilized lids and rings and you're going to pop these bad boys in a hot water bath and cover them with about an inch of water. You're going to process everything for 10 minutes. And remember, you don't set your timer until your water is at a full rolling boil. Okay? So this is, in essence, your mint jelly. And it is so delicious, so much fun. And frankly, it's quite easy. The bulk of your time is allowing it to steep and then allowing it to properly drain into the sieve or you know into your glass, getting every last drop of liquid. So um, it's not a lot of work, not a lot of prep. You just have a, a good 10 minutes of steep, a good 10 minutes of dripping, and then a 10 minute water bath. So make sure you plan accordingly. We were just talking uh, before the break about canning mint jelly, uh, its many uses, and how simple it truly is to go ahead and get that preserved in a glass mason jar. We're going to wrap up today's segment by talking about two other ways in which you can preserve this wonderful herb, fresh mint. Uh, we're going to talk about dehydrating as well as freezing. So let's get started because there is just something phenomenal about having um, tea on hand. Now, whether it's medicinal, whether it's soothing, whether it's just because you need a little caffeine boost, whatever the reason for drinking tea um, you may have personally, um, having it and knowing where it comes from uh, is huge. Now, I grow a lot of my own herbs, and part of what I do to preserve them so that I can use them in a variety of teas and medicinal herbal uh, remedies is through dehydration. So I have a, a dehydrator that has six shelves, and I make it a point to consistently dehydrate enough so that I have, I don't really have to go to the store to buy tea. Basically, I purchase um, really good tea canisters. You can keep your tea in mason jars, but you want to make sure they stay in a dark area and that they are sealed, the lid is sealed. Um, or you can, like Tabana has um, stainless steel or some type of um, citrus-based containers, and I'll tell you why here in just a moment, um, because of the acid in certain tea blends it can um, actually not do too well in metal. So they have certain canisters that are designed specifically to store your dehydrated herbs and seasonings and whatever, ble whatever blends you're making. Um, they have canisters that will work well with high acidic things. So um, I love growing mint. I have an entire garden bed devoted to it. Um, it's a companion plant, so I will often plant my squash and zucchini amongst my mint and I do so because that mint will keep away the vine borers which are oh my goodness they're almost impossible to get rid of uh, without having to physically smush them um, because un unlike others I don't like to add a lot of chemicals and pesticides I don't use any actually in my garden um, I will do what I can naturally to keep pests away so mint is huge for that reason but once you get it growing, it is invasive and it will continue to grow. So um, it's a hard one to control. So I figured why, why try and control it? Let's use it. So today I'm going to briefly touch on what I do to dehydrate it and the different ways in which I utilize it. So for those of you who haven't dehydrated before, it's pretty simple. You can uh, grab a standard dehydrator that's electric. You can use those that have screened bottoms and a surrounding screen or mesh net so that you can um, use them in the outdoors in the sun or at least indoors where there's direct sun and some good airflow. 
um, and that is non-electric. So there are some different ways in which you can uh, dehydrate. There are other uh, methods which um, go back to what my grandma used to do before all these fancy schmancy dehydrators came out. She would bundle them with twine and hang them uh, from rafters and allow the um, the air and the temperature as well as um, you know the some of the sunlight to go ahead and do its job work its magic and um, sometimes she would cover things with cheesecloth to keep certain insects away and others uh, repelled insects just on their own uh, because of, of um, what their content was so in today's segment I'm going to talk about using an actual electric dehydrator but um, there's no right or wrong way, just so long as you're enjoying um, dehydrating and preserving your own mint or your own fresh herbs. Uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm happy hearing that. So what I do is I will take four trays of my six. I will pinch off a bunch of fresh mint leaves, go ahead and wash them. I will make sure that I am um, putting them between paper towels to remove any excess water. You don't want them super saturated uh, with, with that water uh, prior to putting them in the dehydrator. Uh, once I've patted them dry, the key with using an electric de dehydrator is to put the largest part of the food or the leaf or the herb, whatever it might be. So in this case, our thickest, largest part, and it's about thickness as well, is the area that we pinched off with our thumb, okay? That area is the thickest part of that leaf, so all of our thick parts are gonna aim towards the air current source. We want the air current to touch that thick piece first because it has to work harder to remove the liquid from that thicker area, okay? So we wanna give it a leg up. If we had it turned around the opposite direction and all of that air and heat current was hitting the thinnest part, which is the tip of that mint leaf, that would get dried first and become so brittle that it would probably break just as the air current was hitting it. And we run the risk of taking it out too soon because it looks like it's dry until you got to that thicker part where it still has liquid. And if you don't properly remove the liquid, you unfortunately can then grow mold and things will spoil. So there is a science to it. I highly recommend picking up um, the Dehydrator Bible. It's a phenomenal book that has a plethora of recipes and information about why we do what we do and how to tell if your food is um, fully dry, too dry, not dry enough. And um, I also give a lot of wonderful tips and recipes on my website at canningdiva.com. So if you're interested in dehydrating and by me talking about uh, preserving mint through dehydration has kind of spurred your interest, definitely head over to my website. There's some fun things there. Now, what I said earlier is I said I do four trays with the mint and I have a six tray dehydrator. So what I do for those last two trays is I will grab one orange and one lemon. I will also then grab a grater or a zester. My goal then, and I sometimes will use the grater just because I want larger chunks, okay? My goal is to just zest off the skin of each of those citrus fruits. Don't get a lot of the white meaty part of the citrus because that is very bitter tasting. Try and stick just with the skin, okay? 
and the larger the greater uh, holes, the larger the pieces will be after they're dehydrated. Because as you know, when you dehydrate something, it's going to shrink substantially in size, especially those items that have a lot of high water content, and citrus is one of them. So I remove all of um, the orange and then all of the lemon peel, and each tray will then house uh, one of those peels so that I can have a zest. Because my goal after these leaves have dehydrated, I want to make a mint tea blend. And you can have mint tea all on its own, or you can start incorporating the citrus flavors from either lemon or oranges. You can even do grapefruit. You can get creative while you're dehydrating and think about what you'd like to enjoy in that tea. And now you're preserving not just the leaves you can set aside for later use, whether it's cooking or medicinal, or in this case, tea, but now you have some fun blends that you can create and make and experiment with and set those aside in storage. So get creative with preserving mint. Uh, this is just one of the fun ways that I use uh, probably most regularly in my home. And if you enjoy a, a delicious cup of mint tea, you're going to love preserving your own mint. Okay, last and certainly not least, I want to touch on freezing mint. And I'm going to leave you with a fun recipe uh, that you can create. It's a pesto. I, I created this a couple summers ago and I call it my mint basil pesto. So I will also leave you with this delicious recipe and how to use it and freeze it. And then um, of course we're going to talk just briefly about preserving the mint and preserving the herbs during that freezing process, utilizing freezing. Uh, cold storage as a preservation method. So let's touch on that first because then I'd love to leave you with that mint basil pesto recipe. Okay, so if you have some leftover mint, let's say you couldn't fit it all onto your uh, trays while you're dehydrating or you already yielded your one and a half cups of firmly packed mint leaves for your mint jelly and now you have a bunch of mint left on hand. What I suggest doing is slicing that up grabbing a silicone ice cube tray or even a standard ice cube tray will work just fine. And if you'd like to incorporate some garlic or maybe some basil or fresh oregano, whatever herbs you'd like to incorporate, what I'm trying to get you to do is think about how you utilize fresh herbs in your meal creations when you start your meals. If you know that you have a certain dish that you incorporate mint and maybe some garlic into, then, then go ahead and slash up coarsely that mint and some fresh garlic and put it evenly into, distribute it even, evenly into each cube of that ice cube tray. Then taking olive oil, dump olive oil over the top of all of the, the, um, the herbs in each cube, not to overfill it because you don't want these to all connect together, you want it just below. Like when we're filling ice cube trays with water and they all connect, it's not a big deal because the ice is just going to go into a glass and we don't care of the shape. When we are going to freeze oil, we want it to come out as seamlessly as possible uh, because we don't want these all connecting together. It makes a, it makes a huge mess. Now, when you put the ice cube tray into the freezer, you want to leave it for about 48 hours to firmly freeze. And it's pretty cool because extra virgin olive oil, when it's frozen, turns a white color. So it's pretty neat. 
But what's nice about that is once you have these frozen, you can you can then put them individually into Ziploc bags, um, or you can dump the entire tray into Ziploc bags and just grab one as you need it. And so now, instead of going for your olive oil cruet and pouring that into your pan and mincing up garlic and then you know peeling and mincing and going through that process and then picking and washing mint or whatever the herbs are that you're using, you now already have that ready to go and you just throw that in your pan, heat it up and now your meal now your meal can begin. It saves you a good 15 minutes worth of prep time um, by doing it this way. Now, if the meal in which you're using the herbs does not require you to have oil in it, you are welcome to substitute the oil with water. Okay, just remember that the um, oil is going to preserve that herb. It's not going to start uh, degrading the integrity of the leaf. Okay, water will. And over time, um, those aren't going to last as long. They're going to start tasting a little funky. They're going to start making the herb get a little funky. So just make sure that um, don't over preserve or over store or over make what you're not going to use. So if this is new to you, start with maybe half of a tray. Or if you purchase those smaller silicone ice cube trays that have maybe six to eight ice cubes, they're starting to create more things for us. Um, in, and you'll see it more and more in the housewares departments of different stores. They're starting to think of more ways to utilize an ice cube tray, thankfully, instead of just for ice cubes. They're starting to see that people like us are using it to preserve different foods or herbs and what have you. And so um, they're, they're listening and they're making things a little bit more user-friendly. So, um, heck, I headed down to the, to the dollar store. So, you know, I didn't need anything real big and fancy, but I will admit the first time I did this, no joke, and yes, I can laugh at myself, I was all excited, waited my 48 hours, and I'm not kidding, I think I got four trays at the dollar store for a buck. So I was really excited because now I'm saving money, right? Well, I took it out of the freezer and went over to a clean surface on my countertop and got all excited to twist that tray like I would for ice cubes and the entire thing shattered in pieces. And I'm just standing there holding the handles of the blue, what used to be a blue ice cube tray, looking at my countertop going, oh my goodness. I mean, there was pieces of blue plastic all over the place and um, it was quite the mess. So um, definitely when it comes time to taking these out of the ice cube tray, and if you're using a traditional ice cube tray that's plastic and happens to be a bit thinner, don't do what I did, or you're going to wind up with a mess like I had. Um, you don't want to crack it like they're ice cubes, okay? Especially when you're using oil. What you want to do is you want to use a butter knife to kind of get in there and it, they'll pop right out. I suggest leaving it on your countertop for about 10 to 15 seconds, just letting some of that warm air touch it. And then you'll be surprised um, the butter knife will kind of scoop those right out for you. Okay. Um, if you leave the oil uh, herbs that have been frozen sitting out too long, you will be shocked at how fast they'll start to melt. And when you handle them, they're going to start to melt fast. So be mindful of that. Work quick. Get them in a Ziploc bag. Or if you want to stick the smaller trays just in a Ziploc bag itself, leave it in the tray. 
you're welcome to do that. Now the silicone are designed for you to bend and move so you will not have that problem. But again, if you don't want to make the financial investment, you don't have to. Okay, last but not least, I want to talk briefly about the mint basil pesto. And the reason I created this is after I made my mint jelly, I was looking um, over all of those steeped mint leaves and I was thinking to myself, my goodness, I just can't throw this out. These are still good. And I thought, okay, I've got to use them somehow. And so it was from there that I decided to make a mint basil pesto. So I went out and I picked a bunch of basil leaves and I leave it to you uh, to which flavors you would like to incorporate because this is about what you would like to see in your meal and how you would like it flavored. Um, if they're all sweet basil leaves, that's totally fine. I um, decided to pick 12 cinnamon basil leaves as well as six sweet basil leaves. I know some individuals have enjoyed growing this latest um, basil called chocolate basil. So again, it depends on what basil you're growing and like to use. So I leave that to you, but get at least 18 basil leaves and obviously they're going to be an array of shapes and sizes so don't be afraid um, we have a good you know cup and a half of of diced chopped mint leaves that were steeped so it's okay to get upwards of 18 maybe even 20 basil leaves um, also make sure that you incorporate some garlic now i tell people um, when i made this i used four whole garlic cloves and I made sure that they were pretty large. Um, don't be afraid to use garlic. Garlic is not only healthy and delicious, it's a staple when you're making pesto. So if you've got some smaller cloves, um, go ahead and take some of those small ones, say four to six of them, to uh, actually equal one whole large garlic clove. So make sure they're big. Um, also incorporate a dash of extra virgin olive oil. And when I say a dash, you're probably gonna be looking at about a teaspoon to two teaspoons of the extra virgin olive oil. Um, incorporate three tablespoons of freshly grated Parmesan cheese, and then a pinch of salt and pepper. And what I did as I was uh, cleaning and measuring and doing all of this, I was adding it all to my small food processor. Oh, you want to food process your pesto because you want it to be, um, everything to be finely chopped. You don't want it pureed because you don't want to bring the liquid content out. You want there to still be some chunk to it. So when you go to food process this, make sure you pulse it. You want to pulse and stop, pulse and stop, because you want to control the size in which everything becomes. You want it to have a nice texture. Now, um, your pesto can be frozen. So what I tell people, if you want to go ahead, as I mentioned earlier, put it into Tupperware or the pesto cubes that they've now come out with. Um, if you want to put it into jelly jars and use a lid and a ring and freeze it, you're welcome to do so, um, especially if you've gone ahead and increased the amount of mint. So let's say um, you only made one batch of mint jelly, but you really wanted to have a lot of pesto on hand, so you went ahead and added additional fresh mint leaves. Um, you can get creative with this, and don't be afraid to dip your finger into it once it's once it's um, out of the uh, food processor to see if that's the flavor you're going for. It's okay to get a little creative with this. Um, but anyway, um, if you decide to preserve it, excellent. Go ahead and pop that in the freezer. Pesto freezes very well. But let's say you didn't really care so much to freeze that little bit when you were making your one batch of mint jelly. You decided, you know what? 
like me, I wanted to use this in a meal later that day. So I put it in the refrigerator, let it get cold. And later, um, after my chicken was defrosted, I used it in a meal. And I'm going to share that with you because it was absolutely delicious. Now you can do one of two things. You can take and have either extra, um, or like the, the large size boneless skinless breasts, or you can do skin on bone in. And, and the pesto will work great both ways. If you happen to have the boneless, skinless, drizzle each breast with extra virgin olive oil before slathering the pesto atop each breast. If you are having the bone-in skin on, take a plastic spatula and slightly lift the skin away from the meat, away from that, um, that muscle so that you can create a pocket once a pocket has been created, what you want to then do is slip that pesto into that pocket and then place the skin back down. And from there, you then drizzle the olive oil atop the skin and add uh, you know, some salt and some pepper. Uh, either way you do it, uh, just make sure when you bake your chicken that you cover it and that you cook it slow and low. So for me that day, I cooked it at 375 for about an hour. Obviously, I made sure the internal temperature of my chicken breast was where it needed to be. And then before getting it out of the oven, I took the foil off and allowed the top to get a little bit crispy. And um, I, you don't want to overdo it because you don't want to dry the chicken out, but it does give it a nice flavor and texture if you seem to brown either the skin or that uh, pesto top. So this was just a really fun way. I, I'm one of those, you're gonna hear me say it often, waste not, want not. I looked at all of that uh, mint leaf that I had left over in that saucepan after steeping, and I thought, you know, uh, we've gotta find a way to use this. So this was phenomenal. My family loved it. So I made it a point to create fresh pesto. So if you um, already tossed all of your mint jelly leaves or you're not making mint jelly but you want to make the pesto, you can do the same thing using all fresh mint leaves. You just want to go ahead and use a cup and a half of firmly packed mint leaves and then incorporate your basil. You are welcome to also incorporate some fresh uh, Italian oregano leaves if you'd like, maybe four to six little leaves. Um, go ahead and get creative and make your pesto taste to your liking. Well, I have had an absolute pleasure, pleasure being with all of you again. I thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you've learned a lot and have found, um, you know, three different ways to preserve mint as well as a variety of different herbs. These uh, three preservation methods um, can be utilized for a variety of different herbs. So keep that in mind as you are planting your herb garden this year. Um, it's definitely fun to incorporate some mint and um, you can now have three ways to preserve it. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Canning with the Diva. For tips, recipes, and techniques, please visit us online at canningdiva.com.